You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Mike check, Mike check. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. And usually, content like this, uh, we're going to be talking about gear specifically, mobile hunting gear, 3D printing. Uh, usually, that type of content I save for the hunting gear podcast, but there is some good crossover in this episode where we talk a little bit about uh, mobile hunting as a strategy. And so it's just a really fun last minute episode. I had two guys bail on me today. And so I do what I always do. And I reach out to social media and I say, hey, who wants to be on the podcast? And the first guy that got a hold of me today was Austin Cantola of uh, Michigan. Uh, He lives in that Grand Haven, uh, Muskegon, Grand Haven area and uh, he hopped on and we just started to bullshit man and and so it's a really awesome story the dude is a gear nut Uh, I I call him a gear nerd in this episode Uh, he owns a 3d printing company that makes hunting gear or hunting uh, accessories for like the DIY guys for the guys who want to tinker with their uh, tinker with their equipment and so it's a it's a fun episode where I don't know they're, they're, it's 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 gear related and it's strategy related so uh, it, it's a fun one all right so I'm trying to think uh, of some crazy things to tell you but honestly man other than just sickness through my house lately there's not been a lot going on um, I did the other day and I like I like when this happens I have you ever gotten lost in your digital mapping like whether you use hunt stand or whether you use onyx or something like that so I, I sat down on my couch last night I turned on one of my shows I pulled up my phone to check an email and instead of checking my email I got on the hunt stand and I just did the deep dive satellite imagery topographic looking at new pieces of property looking at access looking at landlocked 
pieces of property and yes in Iowa we do have landlocked public um, to where you know you might need a boat to get to it and so um, it's just a I just got lost in it and it was fun man it was better than you know the the average getting lost in social media I was actually benefiting myself by doing that and so um, I I really just want to suggest to people that if you have any spare time to waste, basically, don't waste it on stuff that's not going to benefit you. Waste it on stuff like getting onto your your uh, your digital maps and and just letting like pretend there's no boundaries and just looking for places to potentially hunt, especially if if you are a a public land hunter and you know you you hunt let's say 30 minutes from your house well why don't you go check out some public land that's an hour from your house or maybe even more where you might be able to do a a quick day trip up there or uh, you know like a an overnight hunt sleep in the back of your truck or something like that it's fun man and you get to little you learn a little bit about and you prepare yourself and then you take what you've learned and you apply it to the properties that you already hunt and then you just kind of say hey is this access route good is this uh, tree stand location good for this wind you know what are the deer going to be doing this time of year is that uh, is that conducive to the strategy that I have and you, you it basically just keeps your mind open to strategy all year round where a lot of people and, and I fell victim to this myself where as soon as the season is over you just forget about everything. Uh, I'm guilty of putting my bow down once the season's over and then not picking it up until like April or something like that. So I don't know. It's just something to think about, something that keep your mind sharp uh, from a strategy standpoint. And uh, I do a lot of that. So hopefully you guys find some time next time you're taking a dump to pull up your, your, <laughs> your digital maps and uh, take a deep dive into scouting, e-scouting. So, all right, before we get into today's episode, though, which is a fun one, you guys are going to enjoy it. It's a little bit of a curveball, but uh, we got to do some uh, we got to do some commercials here. If you're looking for a saddle and we talk a little bit about saddle hunting today, for sure, uh, go check out Tethered. Tethered has an awesome lineup of climbing sticks, saddle saddles, saddle uh, hunting platforms, and then all the accessories that you need to be an efficient uh, saddle hunter. Uh, on top of that, they have a, the platform that they have also allows for you to watch videos, read stories, and, and blog entries about how to become a better uh, saddle hunter. So go check out Tethered. Uh, then we have Hunt Stand, like I just mentioned. I already told you what I do and what I did on that. If you're interested in um, checking out Hunt Stand, go to huntstand.com. Read up on all the functionality that this hunting app has to offer. It's the most popular for a reason. And uh, on top of that, uh, uh, they have the Pro Whitetail platform. It's a bit of an add-on, but the functionality is there as well. So go check it out. And what else? Vortex Optics. If you are looking for a badass pair of binoculars or any type of optics, rifle scope, spotting scope, rangefinder, binoculars, red dots, uh, you, you name it, they have it. And, and they are the gold standard of optics in the hunting space, if you ask me. On top of that, they have a VIP warranty and they have some new products that have come out that uh, are really sweet. So go check that out, vortexoptics.com. And then last but not least, the death metal 
or the, I don't know if it's death metal. Yeah, maybe it's death metal. The death metal, the heavy metal of the broadhead world, the wasp archery. And uh, man, just love those heads. Love the design. Love the material that they use. A majority of their heads are made in the United States. And they absolutely crush whatever they hit. They do a lot of damage. They let a lot of blood go. And uh, even on marginal shots, they they do a lot of damage. So with that said, go check out wasparchery.com. And I do have a discount code NFC20. Get your broadheads now and buy a lot of them. So uh, I don't know, you know, buy as many as you need, but NFC20, 20% off wasparchery.com. Uh, I got some more. Uh, I got some more people who are going to be joining here in May. Uh, some some new partners in May, and I believe in July on July first. So in July we have a, a new company coming up, and in May we have a new company coming up. So I'm excited to share uh, the story with you about those companies as well. And on top of that, man, uh, do me a big favor. Uh, and I never say this in the intro. I always wait until the show's over to say it, but I need a big favor. I need you guys to go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast and please give me a five-star review that lets everybody know that I'm still relevant. Let everybody know that, Hey, I'm still here. I'm still putting out great content and, uh, I, I would just really appreciate it. And then go, if you're not already following me on Instagram, do me a big favor and go to Instagram. See if you can find my, uh, my page first and foremost, and then, uh, give me a follow. And, uh, I, I do a lot of cool content on there as well. So, Leave a review, follow me, blah, blah, blah. Let's get the party started with Austin Cantola of Michigan Fun Podcast. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me, Mr. Austin Cantola. Austin, what's up, man? Nothing much, just a typical... What is it, Tuesday? I can't remember what day of the week it is. <laughs> Typical Tuesday where all of a sudden you, you're on Instagram. You say, hey, this nut job wants a, a, a guest for his podcast. I think I'll raise my hand and, and see if I get picked. And and here we are. Here we are. It's almost like you uh, were told as a young kid, don't talk to strangers or take candy from strangers. <laughs> I just did. So we'll see how this one goes. Well, I tell you, I'm not going to drug you if that's what we're <laughs> – you know, we may talk about the outdoors and hunting and fishing and stuff like that, but I'm not going to put any uh, foreign substances in your body. I was, I was worried about that. Good deal. All right. So, um, man, I, I know, I know absolutely nothing about you at all. The only thing I know is that your, your profile picture says something about 3d printing. And, and so why don't you talk to us a little bit about where you're from and what do you do for a living? So, yeah, it's good that you don't know anything about me because then that makes it a good podcast. <laughs> there you go. Um, so my name's Austin Cantola. I was, uh, I live in West Michigan area, like Grand Rapids, Muskegon area, in a small little farm town called Ravana. Okay. Um, and so really big in the outdoors because we're are surrounded by it over here in West Michigan. Um, what I do for a living, um, I do two things. I work for a company called Gentex Corporation. I'm a, a customer quality engineer, used to be a process engineer. Um, so I support the different customers that we have for the products that we have. Pretty large uh, corporation. I think we have just over 5,000 people um, So in the automotive industry. So we're, we're pretty busy. 
Um, and then my other side, so the 3D printing side of things is I, back in 2020 when COVID hit, um, stuck at home, getting bored um, and too cheap to buy anything. Uh, I started designing and 3D printing different products to help me in my mobile hunting setup. So a lot of the stuff that I do through that business, which, which my wife actually does while I'm at work. So she runs the whole thing. She's a heaven son. Uh, but that's basically my little hobby that's turned not into a hobby anymore. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, so, man, a lot, lot, Western Michigan uh, is gorgeous, okay? Mm -hmm. I, I will say this, man. I've been to Grand Haven uh, several times for the Coast Guard Festival up there. I'm sure if you live anywhere close to that, you've probably been there a couple times. Yep, 25 minutes away. Yeah, okay. Dude, that that lighthouse pier and that that whole coast is just i don't know man it's it, you know the water's clear it's it's mm -hmm. beautiful up there man it is and and the cool thing is just like it's, it's just one of uh the few great lakes that we have and they're all beautiful and they all yeah. are unique in their own way but yeah. west michigan is it's awesome because like what i where i was saying like where i'm from like ravana it's like right between grand rapids and muskegon and you get the best of both worlds while also kind of having that country aspect of it yeah um but Grand Haven is, I'm surprised you went during Coast Guard Festival. That's busy, man. Oh, it was. It was busy. But I, I was uh, I was unmarried at the time. Mm -hmm. And so it, that, that's how long it's been since. So it's been <laughs> probably 12 or, oh, man, it's probably been longer than that, probably closer to 15 years since I've been there. But I went multiple times. Uh, that's where uh, 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 an old friend of mine, Todd Pregnance, used to live in Grand Haven. And so we would go back. He moved to Iowa, and then we would go back and stay at his his parents place and then we would go do all the coast guard activities throughout the day which basically just meant drinking so <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's nothing wrong with that no so. no yeah did he take did he take you out fishing or anything on the Great no no nope. we didn't do any fishing um we did sit at a bar called the tip a few i believe it's called oh. Yep. And so one of, one of our other buddies actually used to manage that bar. And so we would go there and we, uh, we would get Jack and Cokes when, um, I don't know, this has nothing to do with deer hunting, but it was like, <laughs> it was his Jack and Cokes that he gave us were like Jack and then Coke. And <laughs> so That's dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. And, uh, it was, so it was, uh, it was a fun time up there, man. Gorgeous. You know, I actually, I'm thinking about taking my kids up all the way north to that, those sand dunes at some yep. point. And I, I, from my understanding, there's a whole bunch of wineries. Like my wife likes wineries and things like that. So there's a whole bunch of wineries up there that, uh, uh you know, you could take advantage of too. So I don't know, Western mm -hmm. Michigan. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah you're probably going to be up in Traverse city area, which yeah. Don't go during Cherry Festival unless you like busy crowds. <laughs> okay, pretty pretty busy up there. It's very busy. Gotcha. All right, all right. So, you know, COVID makes you. I'm I'm interested. You know, I want to get into the the hunting and fishing and things like or the the outdoors aspect here in a second. But I'm also really intrigued because I myself before, um, you know, I I was laid off. Uh, in the cubicle world, I was also a process engineer. And so mm. the all day long, all I did was look at the processes that we use to create our digital, you know, offerings like build websites and create Facebook feeds. So I, I was just like instruction mode all day long, like step one, do this, step two, do this. Uh -huh. And then, and then, 
those little uh, flow charts where yep. it's, uh, that's all I did was build flow charts. Okay, so, okay, here's a little box. That box goes to this, and then that box goes to this, and had to come up with all that stuff too, and uh, it was boring. <laughs> I'll just say it was boring. <laughs> and so 3D printing though, man, that that intrigues me because there's people doing some crazy things with uh, with three D printers. Why did you did you already have a three D printer and say, hey, I want to just tinker with with the hunting aspect of it? Yeah, I mean, like, so my background is I'm, I graduated with a mechanical engineering uh, degree, and so when I started my job here, I was. Uh, I mean, I was doing some engineering related design stuff here, mm-hmm. uh, but then I moved into a new role where I was kind of a lead uh, and I had a few people that worked with me and under me. Um, and I'd started missing that design part of my role. Right. I wasn't doing it anymore. Uh, when I was in college, I actually owned a 3D printer and I used it for various things. Um, and then I sold it, got married, did the Dave Ramsey thing, paid all of our <laughs> debt. And that's actually how we did it through our the business, the 3D printing stuff. But um bought another printer in the fall of or no spring of 2019 and then i just i was so cheap i couldn't i couldn't afford because we we're doing the dave ramsey stuff to buy like a saddle or a mechanical center all those different gadgets and pieces of equipment that just cost money yeah um so i just started i just started printing stuff and um, making stuff for my own and then i started sharing it on social media with people and it just kind of blew up and people not not only was it just me interested in it it was more than just me and so then that kind of spurred on the let's start it let's start something with us and it's been it's been a wild ride man right so what are you 3d printing what are you tinkering with what what products or categories so like my focus is mostly on like mobile hunting Mm -hmm. um so when i say that it's like different pieces of equipment to help like make it more efficient when you go out in the woods like different hangers for hanging your sticks as you climb a platform hanger to hang your saddle platform as you climb uh, public land legal bow hangers uh, a lot of people are like one sticking these days so making products that make uh, one sticking a little bit more easy um, and the other side of it is i'm able because it's 3d printing you're not tied to a mold like injection molding um, i'm able to make like custom design products for specific like uh, different company sticks or platforms so like for example, um, the tethered one sticks, I make a clip that replaces the pins for that. So you don't have to deal with that and stuff like that. So it's kind of a niche market, but my, it, it's always interesting when people ask me like, what, what products do you have? And it's like, I think we have over 30 different products now. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's kind of hard. It's a hard one to answer, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So this was just because like, did you have a need? Because usually what happens in, uh, and we talk about this on the Hunting Gear podcast all the time, is usually there is some kind of need for a product for it to get started, um, or it's just getting created to fill a category for a company or a, um, a skew for a company that they are they another company has, but they don't have. And so when you started tinkering with all of this stuff, how did you know, Hey, here's what I want to do first. Yeah. So the first thing, like very first product I made, I made for myself was a, a tender that goes on like your rope instead of, um, having to push your Prusik hitch up the rope and it gets bound up. 
it's just a 3D printed part that goes on your carabiner, then on the tag end of your rope. And when you pull the tag in, it pushes your hitch up the rope. Yeah. Um, and the need was I was too cheap to buy a mechanical device to make yeah. it easier. Um, so that was, and so that's been like the start of it is like, we see a need as a gap, not, not so much of like a skew that needs to be filled um, because another company's doing it. It's more of like, okay, we have, we see this problem or I see this problem and it's in my current setup or I see it with other people's uh, what kind of solution um, could I come up with? Right. Um, so that's, that's probably the best way to explain it. That's, I mean, that's kind of how we've always done it. Like we're not, we're not in it just to make the same thing over and over. Why, why choose 3d printing when you can design uh, anything you want rather than copying somebody else's. Right. Okay. Stuff. Just out of curiosity, what type of material does a 3d printer print? So um, the two materials that I use and I'm, I'm playing with a third one right now, actually four of them. Um, so ABS is mm-hmm. one of the materials I use. That's what like most cars are made out of a form of ABS. That's aluminum. Um, uh, no, ABS is like a plastic. A plastic. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. So ABS is commonly found in, like vehicles and Legos are made out of ABS. Um, so it's a pretty robust uh, material, um, very resistant to uh, temperature, doesn't warp very much, is super uh, ductile. It doesn't really doesn't really snap or break on, on impact. Um, the other one I use is called PET G. It's another plastic. Um, the best way to explain this one is it's found in like Nalgene bottles are made out of PET G. Oh, okay. Very UV resistant, high impact strength, um, all all that stuff. And then there's a few other ones like carbon fiber is another one that I've been playing around with. You need a little bit different setup for that than what I have, which is crazy, but it just adds some challenges to it. Yeah. That's very interesting. I, it would be sweet to just have a 3D printer in your uh, garage. And, you know, like for me, you go, there's always, you know, in, in a given season, let's just say I throw my, you know, I throw my saddle on, on uh, I, you know, I got my platform and my sticks and I'm walking to the tree and I start to set up and you have these, wouldn't it be nice if I had this moment and then, like, for you, you can literally go back to your house afterwards and hit the computer or pull up CAD or whatever it is that you pull up and design mm-hmm. something that you could potentially have for your next hunt. Absolutely. Man, that's I, crazy. I've done it multiple times. Yeah, yeah. And so what's, like, that? that's got to be, that's got to be fun. Absolutely. It makes it... Um it adds an element to the the hunting aspect of it because like not only am I hunting after an animal, I'm also trying to, I'm tinkering. My wife actually calls me Tinkerbell because I'm always (laughs) constantly tinkering with something. I'm messing with something. She'll be like, Hey, Tinkerbell, what are you doing over there? And whatnot. But it's, it's satisfying, man. It's super satisfying to have this idea. And then in three hours, it's, it's real. It's right there. Yeah. So What's crazy is now, so you started tinkering with things and that's kind of what, what got the ball rolling on this. Did you ever say to yourself, oh man, like now I have enough, you know, like now I can make this product and sell it. Or did you actually have people reach out to you and were like, Hey dude, make this for me, make this for me, make this for me, which drove you to start the business or did you build the business in hopes of selling the product? Uh, I built the business in the hope of selling a product. I still get 
like from time to time guys reaching out to me and asking me to make stuff yeah doesn't happen super often but it does happen um and that's where it's fun when you get to do that stuff but it it was basically i started with that uh i call it a figurator it's a tender that i'd made a public land bow hanger and then it just slowly like social media is beautiful man from a marketing standpoint you can put something out there and just see what people do like how they respond to it and then you just start getting like that snowball effect or yeah. you just get more yeah. and more people. Um, so it's, yeah, that that's probably the best way to explain how we've kind of grown and where we're at. I mean, like I looked at it the other day, like last year during the season, uh, I think it was July or something. So it wasn't during the season. We hit our 10,000th order. And so we did a giveaway for it. Oh, nice. And so, and so it's, 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 fun to see it grow it's chaotic in the fall but yeah. it's still fun yeah and, and we were on the phone uh when it, like before we started recording and you were like i was trying to because i didn't know anything about you i was trying to ask you a couple questions to where i would get an idea and i was like how serious of a bow hunter are you or a, a deer hunter are you and you're like I lean more towards the weekend warrior side of the things because I do have this business on top of my full-time job that I'm trying to want run and it gets busy in the fall. And so like, do you ever regret like putting all your eggs into this, this basket <laughs> when all you like, cause for me, like I'm lucky I can plan ahead. I can record like 10 podcasts in October that could get me through November and I'm pretty much good to go. Like I, I'll come home, I'll do some work, but I plan, I, I can plan ahead. Like you can't plan, you really can't plan orders ahead. I mean, you could based off of, you know, historic forecasting, but um, like talk to us a little bit about how maybe, how do I put this? Like working in the hunting industry isn't as cool as it sounds. Yeah, I, it so it has its pluses and minuses. I, I think like anything, um, I definitely didn't think it was going to be as crazy as it was. And I was talking to the Uncle Lou from Stealth Outdoors a little bit about it, and he was telling me like August is busy, September is really busy, and October feels like hell. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, that's yeah. good to know. And then he he, I mean, he was spot on. Um, yeah. So. It's, it's busy, but I don't regret it, to be honest with you. It's fun to connect with people. I'm learning so much, like, chatting with you. I've chatted with, like, um, the tethered guys. Andy May has been – he's a Michigan dude, too, so we've connected a little bit. Um, and it's That's where, like, the networking and being a community, that's where it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. What I've found for making the best of, like, the fall is – planning my my trips doing trips that are like i'm going here and i'm i'm there yeah um so like doing a colorado hunt in september was a week-long trip um where i'm there i'm not back home i set my wife up for success she drained the business she did everything it was hectic for her but she did it mm-hmm. um she's a selfless person um and then i did a a, a river pp hunt a weekend hunt with like uh it was like four days with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law where we floated down to a tp spot we set up a tp camp there for a few days oh, nice. and then floated out so it's nice. i think this planning trips like you're playing ahead i'm kind of planning ahead and knowing yeah. like this is when i'm gonna do these things so let's get ready for those yeah and it helps to have another person helping you out you know i got i got another guy helping me out on the network who i pay and and uh my wife doesn't do anything i mean she she's not, she's not interested in hunting whatsoever. So, uh, she doesn't do any of this stuff, but I do have a guy who helps out and, and it sounds like that, 
for both of us, that gives us some breathing room to where we can go out and do some of these hunts. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you need it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, Western Michigan, that's a, that's a, a pretty populated part of the state. I know, uh, uh, coming north of uh, Grand Rapids and in that Muskegon area, um, that's where I I would say I know the most people from there to the <laughs> Grand Haven to Muskegon, uh, even a little bit further north than that. That's where I know the most people. Um, and that's where all the stories come from where, you know, people are like, dude, four, you know, four guys in the same woodlot, you know, every, every day of hunting, high pressure, you know, Michigan gun season, shooting dinks, you know, and things like that. Is that, is that the case from, from your point of view? Yeah. I mean, it just depends on like that area. Yeah. Muskegon and just North of it. It's, it's pretty tough to hunt. Like from, from a man, deer management standpoint, shooting a nice buck. Mm -hmm. This is, there's just so many hunters than that small, there's not a ton of public land. Um, they're there, there's monsters out there. Um, I mean, I have cameras on public land and I see them and I've, I've driven by places that you can kind of drive and just see from the road. Right. So there's, there's good bucks, but there's the amount of good deer there are. There's just that many more people. Yeah. Um, and so for me, my, my in-laws live, do you know where Cadillac is in Michigan? It's no. like just south of Traverse city. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. I know where Traverse city is. So yeah. So they have tons of state land up there. So when I go up there to visit on the weekends, I always bring my stuff and I go out hunting up there because I can walk and I won't see anybody up there during archery season. Yeah. Now gun season, that's a different story. Um, but I'm not in the woods and public lane on gun season. I'm too scared. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, man. There's a lot of people out there. And that's that's why I stopped gun hunting is because I almost got shot one year uh, during a deer drive. And I really never went back after that. Uh, I'm sure I'll go gun hunting again as I get older or as my kids, you know, start to get uh, older. But, um, yeah. So, western Michigan, northern Michigan, you know, um, from from the from the business standpoint it just tells me that you're a mobile hunter right um so talk to me a little bit about how the connection then between the mobile hunting and the business side of things and um kind of fill in the blanks that were you know that i that we haven't talked about about you know like because a lot of a lot of time inspiration comes from doing something that you love and then turning that into a job like just mm-hmm. kind of like what I did, uh, go into more detail about that. Yeah, I would say, um, I love, I love hunting. And, and yeah. I mean, I, I think that if anybody listens to your podcast, they probably have fallen under that same category. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I was, I was pretty cheap poor back in the day and I kind of was forced in the mobile hunting. We, as a family would go to Missouri every year to hunt on this guy's farm um, that we just made a relationship with and just through knocking on doors and hard work and stuff like that, getting a lot of no's and one yes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We were hunting it multiple years and then he, he said he was going to sell it and he put it up for sale and it didn't sell for like three years and it finally sold. And so that next fall we planned on going down there, but we didn't have any land. And so uh, that's when I got introduced to mobile hunting and that was like 2018, I think. Um, so that was my first time ever hunting public land and it was out of state and 
I remember I had like DIY'd everything. Then I, it was a saddle setup. I bought a Mantis even when they were like six months lead time. Um, but it was like, I tried to bring a tree stand in the woods. I think it was like a muddy something that weighed like 14 pounds. <laughs> and I practice in the yard and I'm like, who in the world is doing this? Like, right. there's got to be a better way. And so I started researching. I literally typed in like lightest tree stand made or something yeah. like that. And a saddle came up and I was like, what in the world is this thing? And then it was just like the rabbit hole just started. Yeah. Um, and like for my role, like I'm a process, I was a process engineer. Um, and I'm always looking for problems that we have in our manufacturing. And so like, I was always on like my, I'm wired to find problems to create solutions for those problems. Mm -hmm. And so when I found the saddle hunting, there wasn't really that many people out there making saddles and it was all DIY stuff pretty much back in 2018 when I started looking at it. Um, I think it was 2018. I can't remember now for sure. Yeah. Um, but either way, I started, I just started looking at it and being like, man, there's this problem that I'm finding. I'm going to make something work for me. Um, and that's kind of where it's just been flourishing and whatnot. And the cool thing is too, like the community is so strong. Like when yeah. I first started, I remember I was asking guys for products. Like I didn't have the money to buy like climbing sticks from different companies. Yeah. And so I was asking like people on Facebook, I just posted in groups and be like, Hey, can anybody ship me these? And I would have so many people reach out to me like, yeah, here's, here's a loan of customer compacts or whatever, mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and that's, that's been the beauty of all this is just the people that have been supportive on that and yeah. just wanting to help. Now I can't talk about, the community of the other brands, um, but tethered, man, they, those guys have really created something special, uh, in the, yep. in the mobile hunting or the saddle hunting community. Right. I, I just, every time I go to a trade show and I'm talking to people in the booth, there's, you know, people are sharing ideas They're you know, um, like, uh, uh, geez, Garrett Prawl from the mm -hmm. DIY sportsman. That dude is a nut about gear too. And he's coming up with a whole bunch of crazy ideas on, you know, and he, like, he's just like you, right? I mean, he is an, like an engineer at heart, um, <laughs> you know, designer, tinkerer and things like that. And, and all these guys talking about something so positive, man, that's just this awesome community. On top of that, there's a lot of guys out there in that community who are just like, giant slayers man and and oh, yeah. take take the 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 word giant loosely but like a giant in michigan there's guys out there in that community that are slaying giants in michigan that are slaying giants in you know illinois or iowa or, or pennsylvania or, or new york or wherever wherever the case may be and it's cool to hear all those stories so yeah what was that what was that uh that first year like fully mobile Right. Because, man, I can tell you right now when I my first year being what I would consider more mobile was a nightmare. Like I was getting busted all the time. I wasn't, you know, efficient with my gear. I didn't have a system really put together yet. And so I was learning all of that. What was your first year like? Um, it was a mess yeah. and exactly what you said. Uh, but with that mess, I got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I know it was luck because I mean, I was in the right spot. I knew I was in a good spot, but the way it all worked out, it was like the, was it the second day I was in Missouri for that, my first mobile hunting uh, trip. 
um, I had a nice 10 point come out behind me and he had no clue. I was just sitting in a saddle. He walked right behind me and I was able to pivot and shoot him at 11 yards, but nobody sees the, the, the problems <laughs> or the mess I had right. before that. Right. And all my stuff's DIY stuff. And like the climbing sticks, I literally 3d printed the standoffs and the steps and bought aluminum tubing and everything. And so like the whole tinkering and trying to figure out a setup that isn't, uh, a wily made product. I mean, I machined my, my platform out of a U shaped channel and then a bar stock of aluminum. Okay. And it was just, it was just wild. But yeah, I think the first year it was just more. So you like, made, you made your platform and you made your climbing sticks from scratch. From scratch. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And I mean, that's the engineer in me. Like I, yeah. I just want to create something and see if I can make something that's, cheap and effective for me yeah um i would never sell like i even used like my custom platform and then i actually 3d printed steps for a ring of steps and i used that more actually um that year than i did this platform because it was just kind of heavy um but yeah it was uh it was just a mess the first year and i think every time you start something new that first year is just a wild ride that you just got to hold on and and hope that you stay on kind of thing um and then that i remember literally after after that following year or that next year going into the off season, I literally started making a journal of all the things that I found that I didn't like and wanted to improve upon with my setup and just mobile hunting in general. Yeah. Um, so you're not just a gear nut. You're a straight up nerd when it comes to, yeah. when it comes to this kind of stuff, man, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the way that I am not necessarily about my gear because I'm not a DIYer. I, I don't do mods or anything like that. If I do a mod, I'm putting hockey tape around my, my lone wolf sticks, right? Or I'm putting hockey tape on metal or something. That, and that's it. Um, but what I, what I am a nerd about is like the strategy side of things, like wind direction. That Like you're looking for the things that are wrong with your equipment. I'm looking for the things that are wrong in my setup or the access routes. And I'm sure you're the same way because the way you think mm-hmm. with your gear is also like, it's, and it's crazy. Like, you know, tell me what you think about this idea. Some of the, the, the best deer hunters I know who are the, they're the people who take it the most serious. Like, let's just say, for example, Dan Infault, he's a machinist, right? So he has to know all the details for his like it's very detail oriented job you're an engineer i'm an engineer or i was uh not technically an engineer i mean i was a process engineer but you you design and you tinker and it's just like that type of person and that type of thought pattern seems to be the people who are the most successful in the deer woods i don't know what are your thoughts yeah. on that i would 100 percent agree um i'm not saying like i'm um, slaying monsters every year but yeah. i think there's like you're just methodic um there's this there's a rhythm to what you do and it you don't deviate from it like i know that i'm going in the woods and i have a game plan in mind and i'm adjusting as i go in uh, and i'm evaluating and sometimes the only thing that i've noticed about like me currently that i'm working through is analysis by paralysis kind of thing yeah and and that's a that's a big one and i think that that's just something that people who are wired like an engineer or just they're very detail oriented, they can get stuck in that. But I think the only way that I've found that I can get out of that 
is by just putting myself in situations more and more and more and building that like knowledge and confidence in what I'm deciding and what yeah. I'm choosing. Give me an example of your personal uh, paralysis by analysis. What's one thing that well, you've done in the past that's a perfect I, example? So I think I'm I'm looking at all the data that's coming into me, whether it's trail camera, sign, food source, like time of the year, historic stuff that I've known. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm having so much to evaluate and weigh on my, 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 in my mind that I'm like, okay, I know there's a buck that beds typically in this area. Now, historically they've moved this way, but now we've changed the food crops have changed a little bit. We've, we've thinned out our woods at our, like I'm talking about our private land is probably the best way to, yeah. to walk through this. Um, rotation of crops like i was mentioning um pressure from people that are just bought the property next to us and so like there's so much that goes in my head that i'm just like okay i feel like i just need to take a deep breath and just be like okay what puts me in the best spot or best opportunity right now today and i can't look at all the all the factors around i can only look at the very big and key ones uh, that will give me that success and i actually i feel like i I didn't have as much analysis from paralysis was when I went out West yeah. because it was all new. I didn't have any of that history there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the same thing with me going into a new territory that I don't necessarily know a lot about is I will sit there and instead of, you know, there, there has to be, in my opinion, when it comes to hunting strategy, a perfect mix of, uh, I don't know how to say it other than fuck it. Let's go. Let's just go and, uh, and Hey, let's, let's plan this out because you can think about things all you want, but in, unless you have the, you got to pull the trigger at some time and at some point. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's where I, I think too much sometimes of, okay, well, if he's here, then he's going to do this and the wind's doing this and then this and then, the, 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 and then, and then there's this little devil on my shoulder going, tell you what how about we run at him full bore with a loaded arrow a loaded bow and just start flinging arrows right like i i I feel like i need a little bit more of that guy uh mixed in my recipe than than that because i'll do the same thing uh in but but at the other but when it comes to whitetail hunting for me i feel like and i don't know about you but i'll i won't give a spot enough time to cycle through deer movement like two or three days or something like that i'll go in no deer move go in so i'm almost too mobile if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah 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 what about you um i've noticed in certain situations i'm too mobile but man i get stuck sometimes if i know i've seen a good deer or mm-hmm. I, have, I have history with a good deer in an area like what was it not last year but the year before i had a piece of public land up north uh and it was a it was like three miles to get to or five miles up a river to get to from a boat. Um, And I had an encounter with a buck that was over 140 on public land. And I was like, man, I want to hunt this buck. And instead of like being mobile and bouncing around and trying to figure, I got nervous and was afraid that I'd bump him out or push him out and, and whatnot. So I kind of got, I kind of got like boxed into this mindset that I need to be here because I've seen him here. He has, his sign, I know that he was betting here. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to set here. And I'm just going to shift a little bit depending on the wind and what and what's playing out there. But I think 
I struggle with the opposite from time to time because I don't know. I, and I've seen it on that same piece of property further to the west, like five miles to the west. Yeah. I had had an encounter with two really nice bucks at this at literally the same sit, and I was like, "This is the spot." And yeah. I dig into it. And I'm like, "Yeah, this is the spot," but I don't, I don't spend the time to go about more than that during the season. Which that's when I think I've learned that that you need to scout more during season than yeah. out of season. Yeah, that's so. a fact. So. You know, you said in 2018 was really your move into the mobile game. Uh, since then, what have what have been some of your biggest aha moments or, or learning moments that have led you to becoming a better mobile hunter? Um, for me, it's just simplifying stuff. Yeah, making it repetitive and the same thing over and over and over. I have I literally have almost every climbing stick and platform and everything on the market but I gravitate to the same thing every time when I grab stuff out of my garage to yeah. go out hunting. And it's just because I make and keep it simple, stupid kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and just, I grab my bee sticks. I grab my predator platform. I grab my, my backpack to pan. If it's earlier season or late season, I grab the same thing. Um, and I just, I hit the woods and yeah. that's, that's what I found is just having a clean, efficient and, um, repetitive setup mm-hmm. makes it so I'm not worried about the gear that I'm taking in the woods or the the gadgets. And it's funny because I that's what I do. I make stuff like that. But for me, I I purposely use each piece of equipment for a specific reason. I don't just yeah. throw it in there because it looks kind of cool or it's new or whatever. Yeah. Um, so from a mobile hunting standpoint, from the equipment side of things. I think that's my biggest thing, but I think that translates to hunting because then I'm able to focus more on why I'm out in the woods and that's to, to just find that mysterious buck that I'm after. Yeah. That's, that's what I've tried to disconnect. Like gear is only important before and after the hunt. When you're on the hunt, then you have to think about the hunt. And so, um, I try to not think about my gear. If I'm, I, I look at it this way. If I'm thinking about my gear while I'm hunting, then something's not right. Like if my boots, if I'm thinking about my boots, my feet are either cold or they hurt. Or, you know, if, if I'm cold, then something's wrong with my gear, right? Mm-hmm. Or if I, I don't know, if, if my bow's making a noise, well, then that's something I needed to, you know, I should have shot before I came into the woods. Or if I'm... You know, you know what I, what I'm talking about there. So I try to disconnect. Yeah. I try to disconnect all of that from the, you know, from the actual hunt. Yeah, and that's. I mean, everybody should do that because it helps you focus more on why you're in the woods, right? And and the the, the gear stuff's the off season stuff. I mean, that's to get you by to fill that itch that you have. Um, once it comes season, man, it should be like. I'm, I have my setup. I'm, I'm going in the woods. I, I know I have the right boots that aren't going to give me sores on my feet. Yeah. I know I'm going to be warm with this coat and this jacket and this layering system. I know that I don't have to worry about that. And so I know like I'm focused more on like, how am I going to enter this piece of property? How am I going to set up with this, uh, this terrain and this wind and this other pressure that's here. And I don't yeah. know, I think that's, it took me a while to learn that, but I think that's what I'm finding with my mobile setup is that. Gotcha. Talk to me about, you know, when, when it gets good, it sounds like you get busy. How do you balance your, your business, your job, your wife, and then also trying to get out into the woods as much as possible during the the season? Yeah, I think 
now that we have a few few years under our belt, we kind of know what to expect. Um, so we recruit help. Um, so family members come and help um, assemble parts that we have. Like um, we have a camera arm that we have that's we call it the sub one because it's under a pound, um, and it takes a lot of assembly. So we recruit people to come over. We we pay them <laughs> heavily with either food, drinks, whatever, cash, whatever works for them. Um, and so like that's one way we do it. The other side of it is my wife and I are just very intentional about like how we plan out the week and we have rhythms and whatnot. What are we doing? What are we not doing? So nine thirty hits, we're in the living room. We're not, we don't bring any work in the living room. We're just there together. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're just very intentional about like creating rhythms and what we're doing. And then for like, from a hunting side of things, like I kind of mentioned, like I plan trips out now. Like I know that I'm going to go do this. I'm, that's my time to go do this. And so my wife knows to expect that. And so she's not caught off guard of being like, why are you leaving? Like, I need you here kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's probably the best way that we found. Um, but I don't know. We also like, we've gotten so big that I actually have an uncle who 3d prints parts for me and it's a way for him. Cause he's a teacher. Mm-hmm. So during the summer, he typically would have to find a job during the summer. And now he's not, he doesn't have to. Right. Because he's able to just print parts for me, clean them, assemble them and give them to me. And then I sell them. So it's been pretty sweet that way. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're getting, you're, you're getting help when you need the help. Yeah, basically. Gotcha. gotcha. Yep. Well, awesome, man. It sounds like you have a, a full plate at the moment. And, um, you know, it is, is your product line, I mean, do you have an official product line? Is there names of it? I mean, do you have a, a, a storefront or so people can go and buy these things? Yeah, we have a, a website. It's just genesis3dprinting.com. Um, and so that's where guys can navigate to to see all the different stuff that we offer. Um, we have different social medias like Facebook and Instagram. And then uh, we also do TikTok. But I'll, I'll be honest, I struggle with the TikTok world. I just deleted. I just deleted my TikTok. I had one. I went on it. I was like, "Holy cow, this is stupid!" And then I, then I, <laughs> I, I left. So, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I I rarely open it unless I have to post something in there. So right, right. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, hopefully, like, so. So, what's next, right? So, you know, you can only. I'm sure there are a million things that you could micro print or, you know, like micro adjust on a setup and and build parts for, but how do you expand a business then, uh, this, this 3d printing business into other categories, maybe fishing or turkey hunting or, or things like that to make your, cause ultimately I don't know about you, but I, I was doing everything that I could to get out of my cubicle job and into this full time. Yeah. And so I'm assuming you kind of want to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the goal with anybody that's an entrepreneur to, to yeah. do what they love and that's what they do. Yeah. Um, I do love my current day job. So that's that makes it nice to be able to come into work and enjoy what I do. But at the same time, my passion is doing this stuff because I know it's it's adding more value to what I do on my day-to-day basis for my mental health and whatnot. Right. Um, so I think for us, the way we're looking at it, we just need growth. We need more people to, to hear about us, to learn a little about us. We're expanding outside of 3d printing. Um, we're doing some CNC projects, um, aluminum. We have a bowl holder that goes on tree stands. That's 100% aluminum. There's no plastic parts other than washers on it. 
Um, so I think that there's also that understanding, like we're going to branch out a little bit um, and do a little bit more than 3D printing um, yeah. and and just grow that way. And I think talking with people like you and then other influencers, um, I, I don't know if I want another word other than influencer. That sounds but douchey. People, <laughs> it does, and I'm not trying to like like say they're douchey or anything, but yeah. it just feels wrong. Right. But like leaders, like people we look up to, like leaders in the industry that we seek information on right um it's just connecting with those types of people and um making a relationship and and whatnot so i'm I, i'm starting to do that it's just hard because people are busy right. and, and i get it like you only can put so much eggs in one basket you got 24 hours in a day right and you need to sleep for at least six of them yeah yeah so it's okay. that that's where it's tricky so i think growth wise is just um continue to innovate continue to make new products um and release them and share them with the uh, world um, and getting in those other categories is definitely something that we've thought about the hard part is man we are busy in the fall so this spring is kind of nice to have a i mean we're not dead but we're we're slow mm -hmm. which it's nice to catch our breath and prepare for what's to come right um, once we grow into a bigger company we have say a few more employees working under us then we can start dabbing into right. the other products and whatnot for different industries or different right outburst stuff yeah for sure for sure well i tell you what austin man it's been a, a pleasure chatting with you today i'm we took this podcast in a little bit different of a direction than we normally do uh here well i say that but then i also remember that i've had tony peterson on the podcast before and i talked about <laughs> 1980s movies so this is kind of normal randomness is normal here on the podcast and i i thank you for being a a random guest today and uh, good luck uh this season and good luck with your business thanks man it was a pleasure to spontaneously jump on but it was it was good man it's good conversations and there you have it ladies and gentlemen another episode in the books huge shout out to Austin for doing this last minute. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to download and listen to the Nine Finger Chronicles, man. I really appreciate it. Tell everybody about it. I feel like this is a good podcast, man, and I wish more people would listen to it. So uh, there's that. There's that uh, positive energy. We got to talk about that. Got to have good vibes. So good vibes in, good vibes out. Wear your safety harness, and we will talk to you next time.